but would you take a page and live that page out? Take one of the parts of the Sermon on the Mount and say, I'm going to do that one with all of my heart until I get all of it. Just live out what you know and continue to fill yourself with more until we're living out the gospel. Because what, what, what needs to happen right now is the church needs to focus. <laughs> Everyone say focus. Focus. Whenever we sit down and we're trying to figure out how to, to, to help the church become a better church, there's a million things that we can do better. And we start talking and it's like, whoa, 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 okay, let's just get focused. Let's do one thing really well and then we can add to that one thing. And we've got to get back to the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't preach anything else but Jesus Christ, him crucified, resurrected from the dead, and he's coming back for a beautiful bride. We know this. This is the simple gospel. We don't have to trick it up and make it, oh, I've never heard this. is. Oh, that's such a great revelation. I've never heard that before. Be careful if you hear revelations you've never heard before. Be careful. Let's get the old time gospel back. Back to our roots. Everyone say focus. The church has ADD right now, ADHD, whatever else. We're all over the map. The word focus, and if you want to open your Bible, um, if, if, if you can, can see that, your Bible app, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4 in just a moment. But I want to give some definitions to the word focus. The word focus means to adapt to the prevailing level of light and become able to see clearly. So the word focus means my eyes are able to take in the amount of light that's in the room so that I can see clearly. How many have ever come in from outside and you've walked into a dark room and it takes a second for your, your, your cones or your rods? I don't remember which one it is, but they have to, to, to take in the right amount of light so you can see. Or if you've gone from a dark room to the outside, it takes a moment for your eyes to focus. That's what focus is. It's taking in the right amount of light. The Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. <laughs> and when we see him, we see clearly. And God wants us to stop being so distracted. The word focus means to pay particular attention to something. To give your full attention to something. To turn. I love it when I'm trying to give my kids instructions and and I'm like, are you listening to me? And they're like, yeah, I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, but I want you to turn toward me. Just, Just give me your eyes. You can look at my nose. I don't care. Look at so pretend you're looking at my face, but just look at. Give me your attention. Go do something else while I'm talking to you. And I feel the Lord saying that to us right now. Stop being so distracted. The word distracted means unable to concentrate, unable to give your full attention to something because your mind is preoccupied. Everyone say preoccupied. So if we're saying we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit till we overflow, but if we're preoccupied, if we're already filled with something else, we're not making room for him because we're preoccupied. Preoccupied means to dominate one's mind, 
to the exclusion of all other thoughts. To fill your mind so much with thoughts that you can't have other thoughts. That's what it means to be preoccupied. We heard a story of this in Luke chapter 10. Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house, right? You remember the story? And one of them laid at Jesus' feet and worshiped him. And one of them, Martha, was what was she doing? She was preoccupied. She was distracted. She was not focused. And I don't, I would have been her. If I was in that story, it would have been Jared, Jared. You're worried with, I would have been the one trying to make sure the, the plates were set. That's me. I, I like to serve, I, I show love through serving. I would have been her trying to do all, make sure Jesus was comfortable and the temperature was just right and that he didn't sit where the sunlight was shining in his eyes. I would have been thinking of all those things. But he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about so many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that and I will not be taken from her. That's what it means to be focused, to give our full attention to Jesus. Kyle hit it a few weeks ago, turning our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God wants us to give our full attention to him. And right now, I feel like it's, we need to repent in our lives. And when I mean repent, I don't mean say a prayer. I mean, we need to change some things. And maybe it's time to fast or completely do away with social media. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if you're distracted by it, but if I let myself, I could be distracted by it. I could let someone else's offense become my offense. I could let someone else's argument become my argument. I'm like, I don't even know this person. I don't know their agenda. I don't know if a robot wrote this. (laughs) And we're so distracted. And it's, I don't know, let me just say this. America is being bounced around right now. Just bounced around. And where is it coming from? This thing right here in our hands. This has become a demonic device. And I'm not one of those like, throw out your, I'm not that guy. But I'm saying, if I can't control my attention on this thing, then I don't need what this thing has to offer. As amazing as this is, and I love that I get to see people that I don't ever see and talk to them. But guess what happens when we do that? Maybe I have a little less attention for the people I see more often. Maybe because I'm, oh, I just want to see how everyone's doing from high school and people I haven't seen in forever, that I have less attention for the people right in front of me. That sounds like a bad deal. This is what I told Mandy this week. I was like, you know, it's amazing. Anything the devil creates or, or is involved in the creation of, as good as the intentions are, it will always create the opposite. It cannot create good fruit. So when we decided we're going to create Facebook, why do we create Facebook? Well, the original reason was because they were college boys and they wanted to meet girls. Let's be honest, right? But their reasoning, what they promoted and said was, we want to join people together. We want to bring people together. Now, let me ask you a question. After 10 or 12 years of Facebook, has Facebook brought people together? Maybe head to head. Bam! (laughs) The goal hasn't been brought out because it's not a righteous, it wasn't birthed in righteousness. And the Bible says, if it's of the flesh, it will beget flesh. If it's of the spirit, it will birth spirit. 
All I'm saying is we have unknowingly taken a wonderful creation and I'm using this because go a day without one of these things. I don't, I don't think we live in a world we can do that anymore. They have created, this is part of my hands now. And this is where people get all their media. This is where the church gets all of its information. (laughs) And it bounces us around back and forth. And let me just tell you right now, the two sides don't have our best interest at heart. The political sides, neither side really has our best, best interest at heart. You're going to hear this on a video. We'll be doing some more video shoots in the next few days and weeks coming up, and they'll become regular again like we did before. But there's one I want to talk about, about the, the religion of politics. It's going to be the first one we release. It's going to be released on Inauguration Day, January 20th. But the premise in this was God never wanted man to be ruled by another man. God wanted to be our king all along. It doesn't matter who you choose as a king or queen on this earth. It doesn't matter how great you think they are or aren't. God never wanted them to be your king or queen. God wanted to be your king from the get-go. And it broke his heart when Israel said, we want to be like other nations and have kings. And God says, but what about me? And we've become so distracted by this. And we've lost our saltiness. In Matthew chapter 4, I want to read this. And we'll close out with this, this sermon, this story. This really happened, by the way. This isn't just a story. It really happened. Yeah. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. So Jesus had just been baptized. He just had one of the greatest moments of his entire life. His father acknowledged him in front of everyone as the Savior, as the Lamb of God, as the Son with, in whom he was well-pleased and just promoted him in such a way. And then he immediately is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, the Bible says, verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. (laughs) And when he had fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Makes complete sense, right? And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, wait a second, what just happened to Jesus? The father just said, you are my son. And the first thing that Satan comes to do in a moment of weakness and a place of hunger is he tries to bring this argument to Jesus and say, well, he tries to create an argument that there isn't an argument. Say that better because that was really poorly worded. He tries to create an argument where there was no argument. God just announced, He is my son. And Satan goes, Well, if if you are the Son of God, make these stones into bread. I know you're hungry. Turn them into bread. You can do it. You're the Son of God, right? Show it. Prove it. Don't just talk about being the Son of God. Do something. You seen the meme where they someone pokes a person with the stick says do something. That's what Satan was doing. Do something. But Jesus didn't get into the argument with Satan. 
He didn't join the argument with him. He replied to him, though, with the word of God and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he shut the enemy up because he didn't join in on the argument. And then the devil took him to uh, up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, well, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. He's like, oh, so man lives not by bread, but by the word of God. Satan's like, I know the word of God. So now he uses it against him. He's like, I'll play by your rules. I'll use your father's words, your, 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 your God's words. He says, if you're, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they will lift you up so that you're, you do not dash your foot against a stone. Woo. And again, Jesus doesn't join in on the level playing field of this argument. He says, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So the devil takes in the information. He's like, all right, I'm going to take you up. He takes him to an exceedingly high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Now he's trying to preempt his inheritance. He's trying to get Jesus to jump ahead and take a shortcut to his inheritance. Because the Bible says that all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And Satan tries to get Jesus to take a shortcut. But Jesus doesn't. He says, away with you, Satan. Get behind me. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only serve him. And then the Bible says the devil left him and angels came and ministered to him. What's the point? If Jesus was distracted, he could have taken the bait. But Jesus was highly focused on his mission. Satan wanted to get Jesus to focus on what he needed in the moment. Not long term, but in the moment. Distractions will always appeal to what you need in the moment. I'm going to say that again. You know it's a distraction if it appeals to the moment, the flesh, the needs, the wants of the moment, but it doesn't think about the long term. But Jesus wouldn't argue with him because when you argue with someone, you're agreeing to ground rules. Did you know that every time we get into an argument with someone, we've already come to a table of agreement? Like, no, that's, no. We argue because we don't agree. No, we have already agreed to argue. And now the rules are, we're going to argue until we compromise. So just arguing and negotiating with someone, we have already come to an agreement with them that both of us are going to butt heads with our ideas and we're both going to compromise. You may compromise more than me, but we're going to compromise. And that's why Jesus didn't enter into an argument with the devil. Because he's like, you don't get to set the table we sit at. You don't get to prepare the argument. You don't get to prepare the dialogue. You don't get to change what I think about and talk about. Jesus wouldn't allow common ground to be made with the devil. He had his father's agenda. He only focused on his father and his responses were from his father. His focused surrender helped him to overcome temptation. Our enemy still does this to us today. 
He wants us to be preoccupied. He wants us to be distracted. He wants us to have a different agenda. He doesn't care how much we compromise. You ever watched any of the, the good the good movies? I like these kinds of movies, but where you've got the corrupt people in the police force and, and the bad guy knows which ones are corrupt and it doesn't matter how corrupt they are, but just they're marked because they're corrupt and you've got a little dirt on them, then you own them. It doesn't matter how much dirt, right? You compromise even a little bit. I've got you. The devil wants us to just compromise a little bit. He doesn't care how much. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to descendants of Abraham. This is one of my favorite verses. I, I, I use this and mention it a lot. I've already mentioned it today. But it's found in John 8, 37. And Jesus says to them, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no room in you. In other words, I know that you're the people of great promise, but you're missing the fullness of that promise because you're not making room for me. You're distracted. I'm gonna finish this Lord willing next week. But God wants us to bring our focus to him. It means a turning from something to something. Now we can say, I'm going to turn to the Lord. And that's awesome. But if I don't turn to the Lord and turn from something, then I won't stay turned to the Lord. I've heard it said like this, any no to sin that doesn't, doesn't cause a yes to God will not remain a no to sin. In other words, my yes has to be loud. And if I say yes to him, then I'm gonna say no to other things. Now, I think it's a really wise thing for us to do to start this year out. It's a clean house to remove distractions and chaos that's in our life. If something in your life is bringing you chaos, you don't need it because God is not the author of chaos or confusion. Now, sometimes we'll be confused because our will is battling God's will. You're like, man, I'm really confused right now. Well, that's because I'm not in agreement with God. Get into agreement with God. And then if you still find there's chaos or confusion, that thing is not from God. And you don't need it. I've got a new a quote in my office on my, on my whiteboard. And it says, what chaos in my life can I transform today? What thing is chaos? I don't care if it's, a, if it's the ashtray in your car. It's got coins and it's sticky and it's got rubber bands and whatever. Come on, everyone's like, yeah, we've been there before. I don't care if it means cleaning that thing out. What chaos can I change in my life today to bring order? What clutter do I have? Not just outwardly, but in my heart, in my mind, what do I think about? What am I filling my mind with? I saw, I saw a huge shift in our home this week. Our kids are homeschooled, and so they always have done Bible, but they started doing this specific Bible study that is one of the best things that I've seen. And it's, you watch about a 15 to 20 minute video, they have answers to it, and it shifted my home. 
And I was like, what? Because they're thinking on the things of the Lord on a greater level than they were before. And it was wonderful. And there was peace. Homeschooling's not easy. I know we all have known this. If you weren't a homeschooler before, we all did some version of it. It's not easy. But then when you take the chaos and you bring it into order, life happens. Just life happens. Life gets choked out by the chaos. The thoughts that God has for us to think, where we have the mind of Christ, those thoughts that he has, his thoughts, they're being choked out by so many other thoughts and ideas. And here's the scary thing about it. If we're religious at all, if we've known God, it's very easy for us to feel like it's God's will or his anointing on this thing, even if it's not. I know there have been many things in my life that I've made happen. And, I, and you get a euphoric feeling like, yeah, I made that happen. Thank you, God. You're so good. You're so faithful. You made, and it was me. And I thought it was God. And I was deceived. So God wants us to just remove the clutter, get his mind, his thoughts, to turn our focus and our attention to him. Look, things are not going to get <laughs> things are going to get better and worse all at the same time going forward. The bride is going to get more beautiful and the wickedness is going to, to show up in places we never saw it before. And there will be a point in time where the gospel will be preached to all men and the end will come. But not until then, not yet. Like my favorite part in Gladiator when, when the, the African man says, I'll see you again, but not yet, not yet. I love that. It will happen, but not yet. So what do we do in the meantime? Focus. We focus. So Father, we come to you now. Oh, and we ask for you to send the wind of the Holy Spirit to declutter our lives, to cleanse our thoughts. To help us to give ourselves to the one thing. To not be preoccupied by these other things. But to make you the center. I want you to stand. Jesus, Jesus be the sinner. Jesus be the sinner. Come on. <laughs> if this is a word for you, I want you right where you're at to just make a, a commitment to the Lord to invite his presence to declutter and to bring focus, bring clarity. Holy Spirit, remove the scales from our eyes, remove the scales from our ears. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Open our eyes, God. Let me take in the proper amount of light so that I can see clearly. Let me give attention to things that are worthy of my attention. If some things popped up and you're like, yeah, that's clutter. Yep, that's excess. Yeah, that's causing distraction. Would you make a commitment and a covenant with the Lord right now that you're going to shift that thing? 
You're going to sweep it out of the house and clean the house and make room. Because here's what happens. When we make room, he comes in. When we create room for him, he fills the space. Nothing in my life is so important that I want to keep it where he could be there. Jesus, come into our hearts. (laughs) We make room for you. Spirit, come and fill us. We make room for you. Would you put your hands on your head? We're going to pray for for our mind. Father, we ask that you would clear our minds of clutter, reroute the way we think, change our thinking. Give us the mind of Christ. We put on the mind of Christ and we will not take it off. Help us to think about the things that you think about. Help us to think about things the way that you think about them. Give us discernment. pray that prayer father god i'm asking for the gift of discernment let me know right from wrong light from darkness good from evil help me to test the spirits and see if they're from you pray this over us. Father God, we will no longer be made fools. We will no longer be made to look foolish. We will be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We will be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We will be obedient like sheep, but we will roar like lions. We will be obedient like sheep to your voice, and we will roar like lions. Father, I ask that you would anchor us to truth, that we would build our house on the rock of truth. And when the waves come and the storms come, the rock will stand firm. You are that rock, Jesus. The rock of ages. The cornerstone. 
we're just going to make this a place of prayer. We do have buckets. If you brought your offering, Rodney has a bucket. We have buckets ready. We're just going to pray. Seek his face. Stay as long as you'd like. All right? It's time to focus. I bless you. It's so good to see you. We love you. May this year be the year that you find your your deep roots. That's what I'm feeling for, for us. The year we find our deep roots in Christ. We love you. We bless you. Yeah.